morning, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1 to begin with, and we'll also be looking at Acts 13. We'll just start in Acts 1 and spend the majority of our time in Acts 13. And I have a lesson I've entitled, A Snapshot of Missions. A Snapshot of Missions, and that's what we're going to see mainly out of Acts 13, and we will spill a little bit into Acts 14 as we go along, but I I know we have a lot of people here who have been in church for years, and then there's some who maybe not as long, and so I hope that you, regardless of where you are in the Christian life, that you understand that missions is a pretty important, serious matter, and it's not something that we should just think about once in a while, it should be on the forefront of our minds. And I I hope that uh, these thoughts will bear that out. Let's pray and get started. Father, we thank you again for your word, and we ask that as we look into your holy scriptures, that we would see what's important to you and make it important to us. I pray that our thoughts would conform to what you have to say on this matter. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Acts chapter Verse uh, chapter 1, verse number 8, and in Acts chapter 1, 8, we have provided for us some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So Jesus wanted then his disciples, uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to evangelize the world. Has that changed? No. He still wants his disciples to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to evangelize the world, to be witnesses to him and for him in Jerusalem. That was their home base area and all Judea and in Samaria. These are the regions that That went out around and then unto the uttermost part of the earth. In verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, they, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. That's how I know these are some of his last words. After he said these things, he's gone. He went up into heaven. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Those were angels. Uh, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem uh, from the mount uh, called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and all those guys. In verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and evangelize, preach the gospel, and and get the good news to everyone. So they went back and they prayed in that upper room, and we know There in chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one accord, one place, and suddenly there came a sound 
from heaven of a rushing mighty wind and, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And so uh, they were, verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now they're going to be witnesses unto him. And that's where they began. And then, uh, just jumping ahead, I want to now move to Acts 13. So we see God's will for the early church was to be filled with the Spirit and get out there and give the gospel. And that's why we have an emphasis here, that we should go out and, and try to spread the good news to people. That's why we have outreach opportunities. That's why there are people working in the bus ministry. People go out in harvesters. That's why we have the nursing home ministries. Getting, trying to do what we can to get our Jerusalem and the surrounding towns, maybe the Samaria and the Judea around. But it goes beyond that. We as a church are commissioned, told by God, to get the gospel out into the further regions. We should be involved with planting churches abroad, foreign countries, maybe other states, maybe other parts of this state. This is what God intends for us to do. And we see God working through a local church in Acts chapter 13 to carry out the mandate that is found there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so this chapter 13, as I was going through a little while back, it hit me and I started jotting down a bunch of notes that this really is a snapshot of missions, uh, what we see going on here just in this chapter. And so I want you to see, I've got a few points. Now, if you have a handout, the handout is actually for the whole day. It's not filling the outline. It gives you a place to take down notes. But I'll, give you, I'll try to give you my points as I go along. And remember that you don't have the detailed outline in front of you like I do. But first of all, I want you to see the selection God selected some missionaries. We find this here in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that, were called, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, Saul, who was also known as the Apostle Paul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work Whereunto I have called them. So I want you to consider this selection. First of all, it was a sovereign selection. Notice with me there in verse number two, it says, As the Holy Ghost said, Separate me. See, Barnabas and Saul didn't just wake up one day and say, Hey, let's go be missionaries. It's not how it works. It was like, that sounds like a good career choice. What should I do with my life? Well, there's a need. Let's go. We should volunteer to go, uh, but it goes beyond just that. Uh, some people suggest that you should just go be missionaries. And, and I will say we should all be involved with world evangelism, but there is a difference between going and telling people about Jesus and becoming a missionary. Um, everyone should be a soul winner, but not everyone is called to preach. A missionary has a calling of God to preach the gospel. And the missionary, the modern day missionary, is really the office of evangelists that you find in the Bible. It is a position that God calls men to, just like God calls men to be a pastor. 
So it's not just, hey, I only got one life. How can I best spend it? I'll go to the mission field and start churches and lead uh, churches there. You need a calling of God to do that. Uh, And God calls men to the sacred office, praise the Lord. And we should be uh, open to what God wants us to do. But men have to respond to this. And this is uh, what we see. Thankfully, Barnabas and Saul did respond and they were eager about it. We'll see that a little bit later. But also, not only uh, was it a sovereign selection, God chose them to be missionaries. So please remember, God tells us all to be soul winners. We're all supposed to preach the gospel. But he does choose some to go to other areas and start churches, whether it's uh, in the next town over or the next state over or in another hemisphere. Not only that it was a sovereign selection, though, secondly, I see it was a sensible selection. Also there in verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Now think with me. Who did God call? Well, we just read it. Barnabas and Saul. Who were those guys? They were men who were already busy and active in their local church. Not just that, they were, all, they were leaders in their local church. They weren't just anybody. The Bible says there in verse 1 that they were among prophets and teachers. They were men of God serving in leadership positions in the local church And God said, I want these two guys to leave what they're doing and go somewhere else and do the same thing. So it shouldn't be surprising to us that God chooses serious men and even experienced men to go to the mission field. And it says there in verse number two, it says, as they ministered to the Lord... These were men who were serious. These were men who were serving. These were men who were already involved. Hence, it shouldn't be a shock to any of us. When Pastor Armacost said, God's called me to the mission field. That's not shocking to me at all. That's actually following the biblical model that we find here in Acts chapter 13. He has been serving the Lord. He has experience. He he has been involved in leadership. And and the Lord often chooses some of the most active and sometimes some of the most experienced people in churches to go to the mission field. That doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that God's going to go call every pastor from every church to leave their church and go be missionaries. But he will often call people who are, who are, who've been active and serving in their ministry, whether it's deacons sometimes or uh, very involved bus captains or Sunday school teachers or, or whatever. God often works that way. We actually should be more surprised if someone who has little commitment and 
They're not very serious about matters of the Lord who say that they're called to the mission field. Hey, I'm called. Oh, really? Wow, that's a surprise. Uh, you would think that someone has already got a burden for the Lord and is already trying to witness and is already trying to do something for him and has been being used of him. And so we see the selection. It was a sovereign selection. God's the one who chose. People didn't just say, I'm going to be a missionary. And then we also see that it's a sensible selection. It was someone... Guys, men who were active, serving, serious. And let me just throw in a little challenge to uh, our, our, our college young men. If you want God to call you and to lead you into something, be serious now. Serving now, committed now. Say, well, I want to know God's will for the future. You might not even know it. You might not even find it. You might not even hear a calling because... He's not going to choose you. Why would he send you to go do something somewhere else that you're not trying to do here, now? Well, I will. Probably not. So, yeah, first of all, we see the selection. Secondly, we see the sending. So this is the pattern that God uses. This is how God works. He works in the local church. And he's looking for serious-minded people, and he, and he stirs people up, and he says, I want you and you to go and serve. Also interesting, just throw this out there, that this selection, God selected a team to go. He didn't just send one guy. He sent a team. And we have certainly got away from that in our day and age Team missions was actually a biblical thing. And we've gotten away from the biblical model. And you hear men, uh, our missionaries, whether it be <laughs> Eli Schrock or uh, you know, Clint Raritan, they're always talking about we need more laborers. Uh, I, I, I wish we have someone here that could work with us here and go here and go, go do this. Why? Because that's how God works. Let me continue. So we're looking now at the sending. We find this in verses 3 and 4. Let me read those verses. It says, when they had fasted and prayed, now this is the church, they had fasted and prayed uh, and, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now, let, let me just explain that verse 3. Uh, if... If you've been in church for a while, you'd understand the idea of laying on of hands. It was, a, it was something they did at, at an ordination service. But not only at an ordination service, it was also done when, here when these men were sent off to go do a particular job uh, and carry out the gospel somewhere else as missionaries. You, you, you would think that they uh, had already been ordained, so to speak, but now they're being... Uh, commissioned to go off. And so that's the idea of laying on hands. Not our modern day um, <laughs> terminology that they came and just grabbed them and laid their hands on them. No, that's not the idea. They, it was laying on hands in the time of prayer. So I want you to see about this sending. First of all, we see a, con, a, a confirmation. Look at uh, verse number two. It says, well, 
we already read it, that the Bible said that the Holy Ghost called them. Now, in verse number four, it says, so they being sent forth by who? The Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit sent them. However, verse three says something else. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they, the church, sent them away. So who sent them? Who really sent them? Verse 4 says it was the Holy Ghost. Verse 3 says it was the church. So which one? The answer is yes. Both. The passage teaches that any true calling and sending of God will be confirmed by the local church. Somebody can come up and say, I'm called to go to Ethiopia. Okay, we just talked about, uh, we'd be shocked and surprised if someone was called and there's no real evidence in their life that they're called. Well, who recognized this calling? It was the other leaders right there in Acts chapter 13 that realized that God was working and moving and calling and sending them. And so they, they are the ones that said, yep, we agree. There was a confirmation and there needs to be a confirmation. We don't need uh, rogue church members saying, I'm going. <laughs> I heard of a young man one time that said, I'm going to go leave my church and go start a church somewhere in another town. And he did. He left. He left his church, and went several towns away, and got in that area and was trying to witness to people and was going to start a church and... Um, it flopped. And thankfully, he humbled himself and went back to his church because he wasn't called and sent. If he was called and sent, it's the local church that sends people. Yes, God, the Holy Spirit, calls them. He, yes, sends them, but it always in conjunction with the local church. And that's really important for us to remember. We're, we're commissioning the Armacost to, tonight to go to Myanmar as missionaries. It's the church that's sending them. They're not going on their own. They're not going on their own accord. They're representing Fairhaven Baptist Church in that country, doing what Fairhaven Baptist Church would be doing they're helping us carry out the gospel to that country of Myanmar. They're helping our church fulfill the Great Commission. They are an extension of Fairhaven Baptist Church. It's not a separate ministry that they just go and do their thing and then they'll come back a few years from now and we'll say, hey, how'd it go? We need to have, because they're representing us, doing what carrying out the Great Commission not only on our behalf but they they are doing our work there. If they're doing our work there should we be involved with their work? Very much so. And not just them but all the other missionaries especially those that are sent out from our church. We have a huge obligation to them. 
They're not just kind of, you know, over here somewhere. Our ministry is the bus ministry. Our ministry is this. Our ministry is... That is our ministry. And we need to be involved in it. We need to be encouraging our missionaries. Writing letters. Sending emails. Praying for them. Really praying for them. Giving when we have these opportunities. Maybe even going and visiting. Now, you can go visit a mission field. Line that up, you know. Check with your pastor first and line it up with the missionary. Just don't pop in and say, hey, I'm here for uh, three weeks. <laughs> but uh, you don't have to have a calling of God to go visit a mission field and serve. You have to have a calling of God to be the missionary and lead a church and start a church and all that. But you can go and, and help. That's why we, we encourage people. Take a missions trip. It'll change your life. Right, Irv? Then to Zambia. Amen. Yeah, several of you have been to different countries. And those who have been, it has opened up their eyes in an amazing way. And you're more attached to that missionary than ever before. And you should be, especially if they're sent out from your church. They're part of you. So there needs the sending, there'll be a confirmation. Secondly, there'll be a commitment in verse 3, uh, it tells us that the church in Antioch, that's where they were, they took the matter of sending their missionaries very seriously. It says, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Huh. Now, let me look at the word there, sent. The, the word sent literally means to release, to dismiss. Now, that was interesting, because when I looked that up, I was like, you know, I'd, I've preached or taught from this passage before. They sent them away. Great. But they sent them. And if that means that they dismissed them, they released them, that implies something. It seems, to me at least, that Barnabas and Saul had an urgent desire to get to the mission that God had for them, they had it so much that they longed for this authorization and to be released by the church to go do it. It was like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. You know, it's like a dog you're holding on the leash and it wants to run after the rabbit. And you're holding it and it's just pulling, it's, it's just, it's wanting to get going. And if you just let go of that leash, boom, right? I think that's the idea that we're talking about here. They wanted to to the mission. They wanted to get to what God had them to do. They wanted to get to the field and, and get at the work. That's a lesson for all of us, isn't it? That we should all be just that anxious and that hungry and that desirous to get to the work. There's something there. There's someone there. I, I gotta get there. I remember when we were on deputation, you know, it was like I was happy to go and share our burden with others for, for the mission field and, and get people to pray for us and partner with us and all of that. But after a while, I'm just ready to get there. It's like, I'm done. I, <laughs> let me get there. All right, so there's this, uh, this, there's this commitment. So the church should only release their missionaries 
uh, when they're certain that they're ready. And that's what we were talking about. And I think that they kind of realize that. But when the church does send a missionary, as I mentioned, they're not cutting ties with them. All right? The missionary uh, is an extension of the church, working in partnership with the church. And, and as we'll see later, the missionaries, should he actually come back and give a report to the sending church. But the missionary there in verse 3 mentions uh, the church commits to the missionary, uh, makes a commitment. It says they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. The idea of fasting, we know what that is. They give up. Actually, we know what it is. I don't know how often it's practiced, but it's the idea of giving up some food and giving up things that are important to us so we can spend a little more time focused on prayer and begging God on the behalf of others. And it, it really speaks of sacrifice. I think God expects us as a church to sacrifice, be willing to sacrifice for our missionaries. We don't sacrifice a whole lot, do we? We, 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 get a, we get by with the be with prayers and be with all our missionaries. Listen, they're saved. God's already with them. That's a, I was going to say, anyway. Let me ask it this way. What kind of prayer is that? Be with them. How do you know if that's even, that prayer is even answered? It was answered before you even prayed it. He's already with them. Why not pray something a little more specific? Anyway, so the, the church committed. There was a commitment that, they, that they, they sacrificed and they prayed for the missionary. You say, well, it only says that they did it right there. Well, if they took it that seriously, do you think that they stopped do, doing that once they left? I don't see that. I don't see that happening. So the sending church should continue to pray earnestly for their missionaries and as we'll see shortly, they're going to need those prayers. So we see there in verse number three. Now we see the service. Uh, I'm sorry, that's point number three. We're going to drop down to verse number five. So we see this, the selection. God makes the choice. We see the sending. And now we see the service. So what do missionaries do? They travel across the, the, the border. What do they do? Start orphanages, provide medicine to sick people, feed hungry, feed hungry people, clothe people who don't have much, build schools. Is that what they do? The Bible doesn't say they can't do that. It is good to be nice and helpful to people, but that's not their primary goal. What's the primary goal? Well, two words described their service. First one is preaching. Preaching, we find it there in verse number five. And when they were at, oh, sorry, I'll start in there in verse four. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now, Cyprus was an island off the coast there. And when they were at Salamis, that was the port city on the eastern part of Cyprus, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. 
And they had also John to their minister. So they wasted no time. When they arrived at their first port, they began preaching. And it says that they preached in the synagogues of the Jews. So Salamis must have been a, a big enough town that they had more than one synagogue. And they went around just looking for people. And then why, why did they go to the synagogues? Well, because the Jews were there. And it's not that they were against. And you will see later that they did. Uh, you just read through Acts. They did preach to the Gentiles. But we went to the Jews because these are people who believed the Old Testament, knew the Old Testament, many of them, and were looking for the Messiah. Now, we know a lot of people in Israel at that time were not really <laughs> uh, devout followers of Jehovah. But there were some who were looking for the Messiah. And then when he came, they just needed someone to say, Jesus is the Messiah. And that's what they were doing. They were going and and preaching the gospel. Telling them that he came and he died for them. So they began on the uh, the island of of Cyprus. And and they went there to preach the gospel. Now, the main goal of of a missionary is just that. Tell people about Jesus, not to get sidetracked with all the other things that you can easily get sidetracked with. There are some missionaries that they go into other countries and legally they can't be there unless they're doing something else. Think of Dave Schrock. He has to uh, have some reason to be there in Belarus, and it's not. They're not going to give him a a visa and a work permit to, to be there to be a missionary and preach the gospel. So he has to provide provide some kind of service to the country. So he teaches English. And he does that so that he can spend a lot of time preaching the gospel and and working the church. They leave him alone as long as he's doing something that contributes to their society. Uh, That's not necessarily out of choice, but God's used that in in, instances for him because he's been able to make contacts. He's been able to get to know people. He's teaching them English, you know, and then he... Uh, develops relationships, has been able to witness to people through that. But the main goal, and he only does that so that he can do the main thing, uh, the main goal is to, to preach the gospel. And now if that's the case, what would we expect a missionary to be doing on the mission field? Doing what we send them to do. Preaching the gospel. Getting out and witnessing to people, interacting with people, and, and, and trying to, to get people saved and build a church. So the, we see their service. The first thing we see is uh, preaching. The second thing we see is persevering. I want you to know something in verse number six. Uh, also interesting. So, and when they had gone through the isle, so we're still talking about the island of Cyprus, When they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, and it continues. But I just want you to see that first part. They went through the island. They had gone through the isle. Now, as the bird flies, or as the crow flies, as they say, from Salamis, which is on the east part of, of Cyprus, to Paphos, which is on the western side, they're opposite sides. These are cities on the opposite sides of the island. There was, it's a nine, about a 90-mile distance. And even modern day today, it's still about a 90-mile distance. <laughs> but if you were going to drive it, 
because of the roads, even now, it's a lot further than 90 miles. We can only imagine that back then, the trade routes and highways, paths, whatever it was, were, were not as good and modern as they are today. And so it was probably at least a 100-mile trip for them on foot, going through an island. How much of it was developed? I don't know. wasn't there. How good were the roads? I don't know. What was the climate like? I don't know. Were there bugs? Think of islands. Do you think we think there were bugs? I don't know. I would imagine there were bugs. Were there snakes? I don't know. I would think there were. There was another time that uh, Paul was shipwrecked and got bit by a viper. I guess we could assume that there were some of those things there too. Uh, so they trekked across this island continuing to preach the gospel. They were persevering. They didn't just go and sit there and get comfortable. Hey, we had some good services and write our, our, our prayer letter back home, tell everybody how good things were. We had, you know, this many in attendance or, <laughs> or whatever. They just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing. It was no short journey. It wasn't easy uh, we can only imagine the hardships that they faced along the way. And let me just say this then. Missionary work is not easy. It's very demanding. It's very demanding. Uh, in many foreign countries, uh, missionaries face climates and diseases that they'll uh, never face and encounter back home. Right? You think it's cold here? Go to Mongolia, right, Jason? Oh, my. And go breathe the smog that they use from burning all the coal in the city to try to stay warm. Oh. And if you want heat, you're not flipping a switch in many cases. You're going to go keep the fire going in the gear. Ooh, that little round tent it's like I like my accommodations but there, there, are, there are climate changes there are diseases there are, are things in, in other countries and other places that you'll never encounter here and you don't know how to encounter them because you never have and then all of a sudden you show up and it's like I've heard of malaria Oh, that's what it does to people. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh, I've heard to be careful with the water. Dysentery. Heard of it, had no idea what it is. I do now. All right, All right Christopher. Dengue fever. You got to have that. Was it, isn't it a blessing for your family? No. It's scary. So, do you think that the missionaries needed someone praying for them? I think so. And who's supposed to be doing that? That's us. Have you been praying for your missionaries? 
And here's another question. How, if you have, how have you been praying for your missionaries? Well, let's be with them. He already is. What do you know about Myanmar? We're sending someone there. Well, I don't know. That's his job. Isn't it our job to know a little bit about what our missionaries are going up against so that we can pray for them? Myanmar, very stable country, right? The government's really stable. Absolutely not. When they went there last year for a visit, they were just hoping to get a visa to get in to see it. And it was kind of miraculous how it all came together. There's no guarantee in some countries like that how long you're going to be there and how stable the government's going to be. And when it's run by the military, you never know what, uh, what can happen. And so we need to make sure that we are praying because... The missionary, he's going to be sent. He's going to be serving. But then he's going to be just having to persevere. He's going to have to be, as we say, gutting it out. And as he guts it out, he needs someone back home interceding for them. Sacrificing for them. Taking it very, very seriously. Again, I'll go back, you know, when... When, the, when we got word that uh, the Shrock's daughter was in very, very bad shape in, in Cambodia with dengue fever. How did you react? Oh, that's terrible. And then forget about it? Or were you interceding and not just praying once, but praying frequently? Lord, please, please. Please help her to get through this. I can tell you how uh, Eli and Mary Lynn were praying. Well, so of course, that's, they're, they're the parents. And we sent them there. And that's how we should have been praying. And when she was getting better, and stronger, and then when she showed up here for Empowered Youth, man, if you were praying, you, you were just so happy. I, and I saw her, I'm like, a miracle standing here. I was so happy. This is a snapshot of missions, and I'm not going to finish today. I guess we're going to have to finish this next week. But <laughs> this is the, you say, well, you're expected. You, 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 you were on the mission field, so, and you work with missionaries. It's kind of your job. You're expected to, to have a burden like this. You're expected to as well. Because it's the church that sends out the missionaries, not a pastor, not an assistant pastor, not a deacon board, it's a church. And it's serious. 
And the armor costs are going a week from tomorrow to a culture that they don't fully understand, to a language where they really don't understand and won't for a while. And they need our prayers. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word and how you just lay things out in scripture. And I would ask, Lord, that as we look at this time of sending a missionary to a foreign field on our behalf, that it's not just, oh, this is exciting, but it's, oh, this is a responsibility. This is an opportunity. And Lord, I know sometimes it's easy to slip into this out-of-sight, out-of-mind syndrome, but we need to be fervent and active in our prayers and involvement with our missionaries. And I pray that you'd help us to do just that. And I pray that you'd be pleased to bless with the uh, service to follow and the service tonight, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're dismissed. Take a short break before the service starts.